Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you. Your exes should be blocked. You know, acknowledging the good things and moving on. We're not about bad vibes here. Are you relationship experts? No. no. <laughs> My pants were wet. <laughs> it ain't even about BDE anymore. It's about thank you, next energy, yeah? Hello. You're listening to Thank You Next. The podcast that has been officially endorsed by Stylist Magazine that turns your L's, aka your losses, into wins. And we are your hosts. I'm Raj. And I am Hardy. What we do here is we take a good, nice, healthy look at our relationship fails. A good, hard look. It's healthy. We don't, It's not unhealthy. We're not like obsessing over them or anything. We like chop them up. We get a magnifying glass, like stare at them in close up, dissect them flip them into a positive and figure out what the lesson from that fail was and when we say relationships we're not just talking about the ones you are buying a valentine's present for in that case that's my mum yours the same right it's my mum it's always my mum we're talking about all the relationships that have shaped who you are like your friends family bosses school colleagues school peers and the guy at the corner shop if you have a relationship with him today we're actually joined by two lovely Irish ladies, Jenny and Lindsay, also known as It Girls from It Girls Podcast. These two are podcasting dons. They've actually been podcasting since 2017, which makes them, that, I'd say that makes them pretty much OG. Yeah. I watched her video yesterday, actually, about addressing people's assumptions about them, which I thought was very, very brave because I would be shit scared to know what people assume about me what were some of the assumptions some of the assumptions were quite personal like oh one's jealous of the other one's followers or one drinks a lot quite personal things because they basically ask people to go on a tumblr and write in like anonymous questions people can write in literally what they want i'd be too scared to know the questions what do you think people assume about you i really don't know i really have no idea because i'm an only child a lot of people assume i'm spoiled i'm a spoiled brat so i get that quite a lot i don't know what else i really have no idea i'd love to know but I don't really care. They were also chatting on there about their salaries, you know. And uh, the first time they had a drink. When was the first time you had a drink, Raj? So when I was a kid, I used to dip my finger into my dad's beer and, like, lick it from my finger. And they used to encourage that because they used to think it was funny. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at my baby having beer. <laughs> you know? They do that, innit? My brother did. I remember my brother drinking some of my dad's drink on holiday. And, like, we were up high somewhere. And he just like spat it out on the balcony. Yeah, like beer is disgusting. It grosses me out. And then I remember like my dad used to ha- have a bar. There's like a little liquor cabinet in there. So me and my mate, we used to go in there, take the whiskey out, drink it with ice and pretend we were in Dynasty because that was like the thing we saw the adults watching when we were kids. Wasn't that disgusting though, to drink? Ugh. No, we used to put coke in it. And, you know, we used to act like we were drinking cocktails and we used to act really fancy and we would dress up and stuff. We were such little dicks. So how old were you? We were very young. We were in primary school. Oh. And then we would put water in my dad's whiskey so he wouldn't notice. Surely he did notice. No, because by then my dad 
dad had stopped drinking, so I don't think anyone ever noticed that it was watered down whiskey. Wait, so you used to take the whiskey and then put water in it to replace it? Yeah, so you can't tell that I've drank the whiskey. Oh my God, that's quite genius though, actually. When was the first time you had your first drink? We want to know. And we want to know what you want to say thank you next to. Email us at highthankyounextpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on socials for extra content. We are at thank you next pod thank you so shit that went down this week so something (sighs) happened this week um that was quite concerning and i was pretty concerned and i was ready to start a war with someone but harley stopped me raj i'm so glad you're in my life you know do you feel like you've got a big older brother that's like yeah fuck him up (laughs) i think that's two times of crisis now that i've had where i've rang you or needed someone and you've been there yeah i'll always be here man like it's all good she's such a ride or die this one yeah i'm, I'm proper ride or die and that's why i have such high expectations of my next relationship this week hardeep got trolled yes so i appeared on a podcast talking about a time that i went to a sex workshop an oral sex workshop and that video got shared by someone who has a following whereas I don't I'm on my nice 700 or whatever I'm on and then I started getting loads of messages of hate from Asian men basically Asian men from Birmingham like all hating on me calling me a slag calling me a bitch it was actually really hurtful you know like so Basically, the first day I got those comments, I knew what they'd seen. I knew they'd seen the clip. You know, I made it into a joke. It was funny. I think that might have exacerbated the trolling because I laughed at it the first time and it was a joke. And then basically it just came in. It felt uncontrollable. It got to a point where, okay, it was one comment. And then next minute I know his comments on all of my content. Just basically calling me a slag and a bitch because of me talking about sex openly. Which is so bizarre. So, so bizarre. It's like people don't know how they got here in the world. Yeah, which is hilarious. It's like, you know your mum and dad had sex, yeah? So does that make your mum a slag? Yeah, someone actually made a reaction video to my video saying that like girls shouldn't be talking about sex. And I will not be policed on my words talking about sex. Like I'm very open about talking about the fact that I date girls and guys. I am currently celibate and I I have nothing to be ashamed of and I'm not going to let men police the way I talk about sex. It did get to me a lot. I've got loads of fake accounts following me as well. And I also had a security guard from a shop near me message me saying that they'd see my videos. It started to feel a bit like I was in a cage. Like first it was far away. It was funny. It was one comment. But after so many comments and the guy from the shop near me messaging me and people from my past like 10 years ago like adding me watching my story you know just started to feel a bit like someone was choking me a bit it was just a bit too close um but yeah I feel better about it now like I spoke to like my family about it and they made me feel better I went to an oral sex workshop and even my friend who is a boy from Birmingham even he laughed and he was like why did you go and he was laughing in an inquisitive way and I goes well you know if you ain't got the skills in maths you go you go to the library and you pick up a book don't you like I was only doing what I thought was logical so can't kill me for trying to arm myself so you're telling me none of these boys watch porn potentially porn that is revenge porn that has been filmed without the female in the porn knowing that it's been filmed yeah you're telling me that these men yeah what so if you can't talk about sex do they not converse with the person they're about to have sex with and i don't know do they just go and get it so it's okay to have girls in your videos dancing around you it's all right to watch a bollywood film with a wet sari a woman in a very wet sari where you can see her nipples and everything like that's okay that's okay 
all the films are okay all the tv programs you watch where sex is it's okay to allude to it but it's not okay for us to talk about it when it is fucking all right and i ain't gonna stop and we ain't gonna stop i ain't gonna stop but yeah um it was upsetting but i feel fine now i just think get with the fucking program even every piece of bollywood that is out there now especially all the netflix stuff all the amazon prime stuff all of those indian shows they're all chatting about sex like openly i know that is a thing so i'm just like get with the fucking program it's 2021 it's not cool to freaking cuss someone and troll them because they've openly talked about sex and that doesn't make them a slag. And you know what's even more funny? Like the clip was taken from a podcast where I was talking about being celibate and I was talking about how people in my area in Coventry used to try and police my behaviour even when I was in year seven, eight, nine, calling me a slag and how damaging that was to me then. And it's just funny how things have not changed since I was in secondary school, which was, I'm 28 now, like, it was a fucking long time ago. These regressive brown guys really need to fix up and educate themselves. And if you guys, if you guys want to get yourself a wife, uh, oh my God, good luck. Like, don't act like you've never had head. Don't pretend to me. Don't act like you're not that guy that when a girl is giving you head, you grab her head and like smush it on your tick. Don't act like you're not that guy. Because you are that guy. Because you think it looks cool. Because you've seen it in porn and you think it looks cool. So shut the fuck up. Guys who do that are disgusting. But anyway, moving on. They are disgusting. (laughs) As if that story wasn't heavy enough. (laughs) What I wanted to talk about this week was, you know, you guys might have noticed Rihanna tweeted something last week about a farmer's protest that's happening in India right now. And she got cancelled by right-wing Indian nationalists. And it wasn't just her. It was like a bunch of international celebrities. I think Mia Khalifa, the porn star. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mia Khalifa. Kamala Harris's niece uh, and Greta Thunberg. So they all started tweeting about it, raising awareness, etc., etc. How did India react? How did the men of India react? They started burning effigies. If you don't know what effigy is, it's like where you like get a makeshift picture of someone's face and like you put it on a placard and you start burning it. They burnt that of Rihanna, Greta, everyone involved. Yeah. How did the information get twisted to support being a bad thing? The way that right wing India is framing this whole protest, which is going on, it's a farmer's protest. They've tried to pass three bills that basically get rid of farmers' rights to anything, to their land, to how much their food goes for, to who they sell it to, to how much they sell it for, right? Which basically means potentially they could be charged 20p for something and they would have to provide it for that money if that's what if that's what happens. And there's also a bit in there that says they cannot protest any of these things or ask for changes once these have gone through. So obviously that's why all of Punjab, all of Haryana, all of these different parts of India are in Delhi and they're protesting against it and they're just protesting for their rights. On top of that, the shit that's going down in India, people are going missing. People who are left wing and they're reporting from that perspective are going missing. Journalists. It's disgusting. And like protesters. Protesters are going missing. I'm saying missing like with inverted commas. Over 100 farmers have died. There's been a massive issue with India like and farmers committing suicide because there's not been enough water for their crops, for their cotton. And that's continuing now because they don't see a way out. Because there's a lot of shame in India, you know, like because they're meant to be providers and they can't provide for their family. So then suicide is a direct result of all of this shit. And there's been another suicide this week. A young girl who's been trying to raise awareness has been put in prison and she has been sexually abused in prison. So much shit is going down in India 
And how India reacted to the international support of people trying to raise awareness was don't get involved in our country. Don't get involved in our shit. There's this actress called Gangana Ranaut, who is a Bollywood actress. Lately, it's like she's just a speaker box. It's like you press a button and you get all this hate about left wing stuff. She's done tweets saying we are removing the cancer from India. They are exposing themselves. What is that saying to you? That's basically saying they want to what? Kill everyone off that's fighting for their rights or trying to protest these rules. It's disgusting. I really want to say thank you next to Gangana fucking Renard. I have really, you know, do you know how hard it is, Hardip, to go on Twitter every day and not get into a fight with someone? You know what I'm like. I have to try really hard. Like, I can't respond to Gangana's tweet. I can't respond to this person's tweet. She's obviously not all right. Like, just... Oh, and you know what else? She went on record to say, oh, Greta Thunberg, you know, she's got autism, so she doesn't know what she's doing. And it's like, bruv, someone needs to sort Gangana Renault out. Someone needs to get her help. What is mad, though, is like, this is the thing about social media. People are wasting their time going at each other. For example, like people moaning at me, yeah. not talking about... Um, as well like not talking enough about farmers protests oh who did that when i was getting trolled oh like how dare you talk about anything other than this that's so funny that someone would even say that to a me or you us who are not influencers we don't really have a really big following we're just your average joe kind of girls as with covid as with black lives matter as with all of these big events and things that are going on when you read the news so much and you know you're looking into this person said this this person said that it does take a toll on your mental health to be constantly reading this stuff and following it like if the Gangana stuff makes me sick when I read about the protester that's been like sexually assaulted that makes me absolutely sick but it doesn't mean I need to keep you know it's not my responsibility to keep talking about it you react how you can and like the thing is like last week you know I was getting headaches and I was saying to you I can't be on socials like I can't be on Twitter yeah because it's it has a, a bad effect on us personally like our mental health is also important I just want to add to this just in case anyone doesn't know not that I'm trying to school y'all. Every South Asian that like raised their voice for Black Lives Matter, like every South Asian celebrity, and I'm talking about Bollywood. Yes, I'm talking about you, Bollywood. They have not supported the farmers' protest and they've all come at it from a right-wing stance and they're so thick, yeah? And it's shocked me how dumb they are. They've literally copied and pasted the same tweet and they've all tweeted it. That's insane. It's been given to them by the government. And on top of that, Twitter have been getting rid of accounts getting rid of like Sikh accounts, Punjabi accounts, farmers protest accounts, journalists who are covering it again from a left-wing stance. Which is very interesting because I'm not going to compare this to, I can't say it's the exact same as my (laughs) getting trolled online, but do you know how hard it was for that content to get removed? And that's bullying. But it's when the government say, that's the thing, people can spread false information. So is it getting removed because people think it's false or someone has claimed it's false? Or how does it work? Like, But basically, that's just it. Like, It's like Twitter, who are you owned by? Do you have morals? Do you have anything? Like, You let do- a whole Donald Trump on your platform say all this hateful shit for four years. You got rid of Wiley within two minutes as well, yeah? So I just think, yeah, Twitter, you need to fucking fix up. So, hey, if you work at Twitter, maybe you want to holler at us and explain yourselves. Like, it's hi, thank you, next podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, but uh, next. We got the cutest review. So Layla, we are sending your prize out, by the way. We have got Layla. She asked for, uh, what she asked for? Like, a pamper kit. Yeah, self-care kit. Mate, we got you. We got you. Got you from head to toe. Everything's covered. I'm actually so impressed at the way we've come together for this. I know. And you know what? If your name is Erica and you are listening to our podcast and you know you wrote us a review and you deliver pizzas, yeah, and you listen to our podcast when you're in the car, We need you to DM us or email us with your address 
because honey we want to treat you and if there's anything in particular that you kind of want the vibe to be let us know because you deserve a little bit of pampering a little bit of love a little not a designer bag no designers unless it's i mean i I can try and make it but you might have to wait three years because it's going to take me a long time to learn how to stitch a fucking bag together just remember we're doing this podcast you know ourselves and that yeah no one is funding us okay We're funding ourselves. We're self-funded bitches. Your review was so sweet. I think it made Raj cry. I was so dumb when I was reading it. I didn't even realise what she had written. And then I read it again and I was like, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry now. This is so bad. This is so bad. She'd been driving around in the dark, dropping off pizzas to see people opening the door and laughing in my face because I'm a young woman. Now, why would you do that? If I saw a female delivery driver, I would be like, I rate you so much. I'd be shocked. Even when I get female Uber drivers, I'm shocked. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> women can drive cars? Joke. Oh um, <laughs> no, but I'm just shocked because it's like, it never happened. And female bus drivers. I'm always like, what? Oh, I see a lot of female bus drivers in my area. It's quite a common thing around here. Never. The thing that was the sweetest is she was like, thanks to you both, I can play these episodes in my car and it's made me not feel so alone throughout this time. It's like I've had two big sisters helping me through the trauma of saying thank you next to an abusive ex. Oh my God, that is so cute. Like, I love you so much. And yeah, you know what? I hope we have helped you through any of that trauma. And then she said, you've given me hope and made me feel like I can heal in this whirlwind of a world at the moment. From the bottom of, of my heart. Thank you, Raj and Hardy. There's just a heart emoji. What a little sweetie pie, man. You are a what sweetie a pie. sweetie. We love you, dude. And I hope your actress dreams come true. Yeah. And if you want to tell us a little story about your ex, you know. If that'll help you, send us a voice note. Caring is sharing. Tell us everything. We tell you everything. Yeah, we, like, listen, if my ex listens to this podcast, he's going to be like, this stupid bitch is still talking about me. What about your new thing? What if you invite your new thing starts listening? What new thing? Why are you always doing, I don't have a new thing? I would be absolutely terrified, Any terrified at any potential anyone consuming my content. All right, I'm going to just tell you guys now. So, like, my little crush messaged me the other day out of the blue because he doesn't message me much anymore anyway. And he was like, yeah, um, I'm going to listen to your podcast. And I was like, no, don't listen. It's, it's really deep. You're not ready, et cetera, et cetera. Lol. And he was like... He'll know everything about you. He was like, I've subscribed. The first episode is called My Pants Were Wet. I was like, oh, shit. Then I was like, no, no, no. I don't think he should listen. I don't think he has listened. I don't think he ever will listen. <gasps> Imagine if he listens and he doesn't say anything. If he listens, I'm fucked because I've talked about him on this podcast. Pretty much every week. Not every week. I've made an effort to stop talking about him lately. And also, like, he'll know everything about my exes. Everything. Anyway. <sighs> At least you don't have to tell him then, innit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Save him job. Well, I don't even think he's interested. I'm just like, why are you subscribing to my podcast, you strange person? So we mentioned earlier that Jenny and Lindsay from It Girls Podcast are joining us today. Let's find out what they are saying. Thank you next to. Thank you next. Welcome to Thank You Next, it girls, Jenny and Lindsay. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for inviting us on. We never get asked on podcasts, really. You're lying. Every now and again we do, yeah. So we always say yeah, Um, but yeah, thanks for having us on. So fun. Because literally, like, in our notes, it says that you've been described as voices of a generation. And iconic. How do you feel about that? Uh, Yeah, it's iconic. I'll take it. (laughs) I mean, aren't we all the voice of a generation? You know, everyone right now has a voice and... um, if you use it, you pretty much are a voice of a generation. So I, I think for sure, you know, we're all 
We all have a voice. That is amazing. Who's your typical listener? They're like little mad jokes. They're just crazy girls, but they're so fun. Um, we have like, we've done a few live shows at this time last year we did like uh two headline nights in an arena with like a thousand people per night so actually seeing them in real life was really fun and yeah they're they're, wild they're wild we started the podcast because we found that a lot of um influencers or people like using their voice at the time were like really like preened and perfect and overly concerned with like coming across as like aspirational and you know they weren't really speaking their mind they were just like shilling products so we kind of wanted to go against the grain on that and the people who listen to us are the people who like wanted that content too you know so they're kind of like-minded yeah they want to represent themselves because that's kind of what we did and we saw the a little niche in the market for like people who aren't just being transparent because this was before everyone was like showcasing their stretch marks on instagram you know so (laughs) putting glitter on them yeah Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, I've not seen that. Someone's putting glitter on their stretch marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, mate. Leave it out. Like, we just need to get hobbies at this point. <laughs> Bring back oil painting, for God's sake. <laughs> what was it that I saw? The video someone was talking about. Did I send it to you, Raj, where the lady was talking about people who are still really like slim doing, showing that they've got like. The force roles is just like, you know, there's like a load of people as well who do it. Like, that's it. Force roles. The fact that models have caught on to it now, it's just like, I know. you're literally paid to be hot stop trying to tell me you're not hot it's actually patronizing to me yeah, being yeah, like yeah. I'm ugly too I'm like you're literally like I mean we're humans like if, yeah. how dumb do you think other humans are that they think that people are perfect you know like mm. if I had like a spot on my back I'm not gonna be like oh my god get the camera out I want to show people that this is normal it's like yeah. let's just pop that motherfucker and Move, Move on, on with your life. Yeah. On a smile. The funny thing that made me laugh was someone wrote that you're not Martin Luther King because you posted a video of one role. Like, yeah. oh man. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's such a lazy way to feel like you're like morally superior, you know, yeah. that way when it actually just comes across like, I mean, we've had loads of people tell us that like it's made them more conscious of things like cellulite and like fat rolls. Like, whereas before you're like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't notice any of this shit. And then like, you know, obviously like society brings it upon you that it's like bad. So if it's then also being like pushed forward on social media all the time, being like, I've got roles, I've got roles. You're like, oh shit, so do I. Whereas like, I might not have really thought of it before. And now it's like, it makes you more hyper aware of it, which is like kind of ironic. Well, it's just body obsession dressed up in a more ugly yeah. outfit yeah yeah it's still just body obsession and it's just boring like just live in your body and just you know you don't need to think about it all the time it's so kind of superficial to focus only on the kind of like the look of our skin instead of thinking like oh my god I have arms that can hug people and type to fuck boys or whatever you know the way <laughs> <laughs> like instead of being like my arms are more than bingo wings it's like so boring and it's just so goddamn superficial and call me like tell me that these women who are like showcasing their stretch marks would not buy a product if it was made to completely eliminate stretch marks <laughs> so I think they're still selling themselves to like people who are capitalizing off women in terms of like products and stuff you're just like showcasing you know women's insecurities in a much more obvious way and then mm. but Who's capitalizing off it? Huge big companies who make fucking creams and shit like that, that women lap up. Because more than ever, we're buying more beauty products regardless. Mm. So mm. it's just, yeah. it's it's dumb in my opinion. 
It's interesting how it's changed from Heat magazine being like, shame, name and shame, this lady. Um, so Lindsay, like I saw that you used to be a tattoo artist. Have you given that up? Well, I have not been able to do it. Yeah, it's recently, pretty much right? not COVID friendly, um, you know, poking people with needles unless it's a vaccine which i will be getting don't worry um but yeah i still will do it when i can get back up and running i'm dying to get back into it it's a great way to like meet people and um, you hear people's stories through tattooing which has been great like was great for the podcast yeah what's the weirdest request you've had i had a week where i got three women three girls were coming over for tattoos and i gave one and um, she wanted a rose with a little H next to it. And I don't ask, so I'm like, it could be like, a, you know. I know where this is going. It was for Harry oh. Styles. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. I thought this, you were going to say there's a love triangle. One got one's name, one got another, and one got another. No, 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 no. Wait, what? Um, yeah. And then like that same week, I a girl like had a quote of Harry Styles. And then another girl wanted like Harry Styles handwriting. I was like, okay, whoa, people are really loving this watermelon sugar. Uh, this was this was oh, way before that as yeah. well, right? I was like, oh, it's like grown hey. up One Direction fan, and I think it's because I'm a, you know, it's kind of intimidating to go into a tattoo shop and be like, like I I've not gone into a tattoo shop. I've always just done my own because I'm like, can you do this cute thing? And usually it's this like big fucking mean looking lad who's like, I won't be fucking tattooing that if it's not a skull on your clit, you can walk out. So it's like. I think, you know, women come to me and they feel a bit more like that they can be like... <laughs> a skull on your clit though, what? Have you tattooed Jenny? I have. Mm, yeah, I've got yeah. this one. I've actually got a few, but the other ones are behind my ears. I've got like this rose. Can you see? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I really want a tattoo, guys, but like it's lockdown. I can't fucking get one. So I'm just like, great. All the fun stuff is cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of fun stuff, though, I did come across uh, your video yesterday of you saying that you love the smell of your period. Oh. I mean... You know, we are bringing out a fragrance line and it is our own individual period in a bottle. Yeah. So, Inspired um, by Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, wow. yeah, so. yeah, are you being sarcastic? Or are you being serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah being I was like, fuck. Yeah, okay. We actually like the smell. I don't like the smell of any of myself when I'm like, uh, when you can smell the hormone. I hate like the smell of period woman. I hate. I'm like, Ugh. Like pheromones and like lads to be loving it. Like when I was single, um, and going and like I was not getting anything if I, like back when the clubs and stuff were open if I went out when I was on my period swarms of men oh yeah really? I've never tried that Murphy's Law I think it's it? like yeah because it shows that you're fertile and stuff like that but I I've had two kids so when I have period in my you know I'm like yes <laughs> yes no pregnancy this month <laughs> So I think I kind of affiliate it with that. You celebrate it. I think I do too, to be fair. I love that. Yeah. We usually stalk our guests a little bit and our favourite place to stalk our guests is Twitter, but we couldn't find your Twitter accounts. Yeah, we deleted our Twitter in uh, just summer gone past, wasn't it? Like at the start of summer. Mm -hmm. um, I was never a big Twitter user anyway, neither was Lindsay. I kind of like went in and out of it, but I just found it was like toxic like whereas like all kind of social media there's always like bad sides to every social media platform you know that goes without saying but I felt like Twitter was like the scales were like outweighing to like giving me like anxiety and it, it doesn't seem to be a platform that's like there to like help people or like I like to use social media like socially you know like to either meet people uh talk to some people or have some fun 
or like enjoy like aesthetically nice content like on Instagram or whatever. So like Twitter was just like not serving either of us in any way. Mm. In that way, it's like I'm not like finding any new nice people. Anything I am seeing, like even if you make a tweet and like you think it's funny, you've got a million people then being like, that's so terrible. And you do realize the damage It's just like, okay, I'm out of here. Like it, and it very much exists within that vacuum on Twitter. So when you're not on Twitter, like that world doesn't exist, which is yeah. like refreshing and nice. I just find it like to be a, some people are mad into it. Some people love Twitter and are like obsessed. But for me, it was just like, I, I could do without it. Raj, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I've just been cussing Twitter this week because yeah, they've yeah. been like removing all these accounts um, from yeah. these protests that are happening in India at the moment. And all the left-wing accounts are being removed, but all the right-wing accounts are there and they're allowed to tweet. And I'm just like, these dickheads took four years to get rid of Trump and they took 24 hours to get rid of all these left-wing accounts. So I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Who owns Twitter? Like, is it this big conspiracy? I don't even know. It's just, it's very weird. So I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about Twitter. I used to like it because a lot of breaking news stories and, you know, you'd hear the other side, the side that the media wasn't reporting. They'd always go to Twitter first. Like we always laugh that Instagram shows you stuff that was on Twitter like a week ago. Yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of just like, I don't know how I feel about Twitter. And yeah, at this stage, I, there might be a chance I might come off and just have a burner yeah. account that I just look at I mean, now and then. Yeah, it's the same. Like, I mean, I, I when I was thinking of deleting, I was, I was like, no, but like sometimes I see like funny tweets on there. Or sometimes I go there for like news and I'm mm. like, yeah like I do but I don't miss it at all and like so what if I get the news a week late if I want to find out about something you can still go on Twitter and just search it you know Mm. I just found that more so I was engaging in like uh like kind of like the more toxic end you know I think that's like trending a lot of the time it was like very much to do with like cancel culture and like people being dragged online and I found that I was kind of like more aware of like you know I don't know, just different like way, like some people like acting certain ways or some people are like, they're being dragged on Twitter, go look at it mm. and you're looking. And I'm just like, this is just like such like, I just don't need to know this. And I don't need Twitter like making my mind up about something for me before like I, especially if it's like just an individual, I'm like, I don't know that person. Like I don't want to add to that. And I don't want to like engage in a lot of it. And I just found that like, it's more like a mental health preservation kind of thing, you know, that way. And I'm happier when I'm not on Twitter. And I've heard a lot of people say the same. Yeah. So that I don't miss of, it. I yeah. think it's like, I mean, Twitter was a space where it made me feel like I had to care about everything mm. because, you know, people are so passionate in their little tiny tweets and their threads and stuff. But it's like, I just kind of stepped back and I was like, I can't care about everything. I can't pretend to care about everything. And I just don't. So Mm. I like, even though like I was like definitely finding out a lot about the world and different countries and news and terrible things that are going on, but it was like overwhelming and like didn't really serve me. And I mean, I, and I was very much a selfish thought process of why I didn't like it. Yeah. Twitter is one of those places though. like I found myself doing this a lot lately this year, especially because of so many things like every day, something new is happening, right? New shit is going down. I was like, I would find myself writing a tweet and then I'm like, no, I can't tweet this. So no, I can't, people will react to, do you know what I mean? And I just, I delete it and I don't do that on any other platform. And I'm just like, wow, Twitter's actually a bit of a hellhole. Which shows that it's quite like toxic because if like your immediate yeah. reaction is that like, you know, and you just like preserve what you're saying because you're afraid. And then it's like all these people you don't even know telling you you're terrible. And then like people get like a very, I mean, they do on all uh, on all social media platforms, I guess. But on Twitter, I feel like they think that they know how your mind works and they're like, 
this, you made this tweet about this six months ago and how come you're saying this now? And it's just like, do you know what? Fuck off. Mm. Just actually go and fuck off because I don't know you. I've never met you. And I bet if we sat down at a bar and talked, we'd agree on like 99% of things. But we're just in this weird little echo chamber on Twitter where you're like nitpicking at things people say. And I didn't even really get that much back on it. But even seeing that happen to other people would kind of stress me out, you know, seeing other people like maybe fucking up and like getting dragged and people like saying really, really crazy things about them. I'm like, it's just not nice. Twitter for me is like the equivalent of fighting with your boyfriend on a 3210 back in the day. Like, <laughs> it completely stunts conversation because you have mm. like a small little space where you can converse in. And as podcasters where we, you know, we speak for like hours on end in like free-flowing conversation, it just doesn't really, It's it doesn't kind of equate with us. Like, I mean, I can't speak in those little quips. Yeah. And I think that some people like Twitter personalities who like maybe have just their profile picture and all these amazing tweets was so woke and so fucking on the point. They are just putting out the best of themselves where because we have a podcast where we trip up and we speak in, you know, proper, normal, conversational way. It kind of sometimes if you put out a tweet, they'd be like, well, that's not what you said in your podcast because it just doesn't kind of it doesn't marry. It's two different the two yeah. platforms for us. It's not conversation, you know, it's like sound bites. So I used to use Twitter for work because we work in media and, you know, for news and stuff. And sometimes it was funny, but I did get dragged on there once by a load of football hooligans. And that was not nice. That was not nice. Oh no, it's weird the way that happens. Like people like I think I think I made a tweet once ages ago. I was I was the first time that happened to me. I think it might have been about like Beyonce or something. And it like And the Bayhive came for you. Oh my god. What? Like they're just searching her name on Twitter and yeah. then like a replying and then or I think I might have also said something about One Direction, which is another hellhole. And it's just Whoa. and like yeah, they're eleven year olds, but like the human like mind is not made for like getting that level of like you know negative feedback to something that you like innocently said and that would never happen in real life like you'd never say like I don't like Beyonce's new album it's shit in real life and you wouldn't get like 11,000 people telling you to kill yourself for it so you're just like the the human brain is not like built to be able to like deal with that so why would I like you know knowingly put myself in a position where that's going to be happening where like you can say anything on Twitter and it can someone can decide that it's your day to like fucking feel the force of their wrath or whatever you know that way so no thank you (laughs) we were talking about it earlier actually because i got trolled over the weekend on instagram and when you get one comment saying you're a slag or you're a bitch it's not that bad it's like laughable but when you get so many it's harder to be like oh shit this is not fact and i am actually okay like, yeah like, I think it's like people always say like you know like whatever just delete the messages but like that's just so not the way the human brain works like you know like we've only had this level of social media for you know the past like maybe 10 years um but like we've you know had conversation in the way that we can interact with each other like on a human level with like you know uh body language and eye contact and like actually being and that's what I mean when I say like you know 99% of those people if you sat down and had a conversation with them you'd probably get on and be fine and like be able to like express you like what you actually meant or whatever it was on social media it's just we're predisposed to just like completely judge someone and then like have this weird authority thing of like well I'm going to tell them in their dms exactly how I feel about them when like you would never do that in real life it's like the compassion is taken away like there's zero compassion or something it's just like no empathy and like they it's like it objectifies everyone you know um because it's just you're not seen as a human you're seeing as like a product that you've made of yourself online and therefore like they can say they have the freedom to like 
trouble you or call you a slag or whatever the fuck it is and then they just move on with their life but you have to realize that if you're not the only one saying that like it's it it can be so detrimental to people you know Mm. um and you have to be so careful of yourself online with that and so you have to preserve your own fucking mental health in a way you know and if that is turning off all your dms then so be it you know it's just you have to be able to put yourself first i think in those situations next so we want to get on to the thing that's happened this week that you guys want to say thank you next to is there anything that you guys have in mind we're all about women and loving women and they're so great and yay yay women but this is so fucking annoying so we know um well her instagram name i'm sure you know it, emily retajowski um rata i'm sure you're probably unaware she's pregnant <laughs> i actually didn't know because i don't follow her did you not <laughs> we she's actually with child yeah the, um, yeah i mean M rata is like you know She's the gift that keeps on giving in a way because some of her content is just so blissfully like unaware of how privileged she is, which is fine because like, I mean, it's hilarious. We found out she was pregnant when we were recording a podcast about her, uh, one, an article she wrote. Uh, Lindsay had just looked up and she was pregnant and we were like, oh, oh my no. God. You're like, this bitch in pregnancy is going to be like next level, like and showing we, off the pregnancy so much. We were like, when we, we, we called, called it, it, we were we like, 100% I cannot wait for the nude pregnancy picture and it happened over the weekend and it happened and (laughs) it came along so this is what we want to say thank you next to this motherfucking caption so there's two photos that are totally the same it's her in her bathroom um, naked and she looks you know fucking great of course and she goes sometimes i feel like winnie the pooh in human form (laughs) other times like a fertility goddess with a juicy butt (laughs) i took this on a day where i was feeling the latter Either way, I know I'm going to miss this bump and those kicks very soon. Like, first of all, a pregnant bitch who says she's going to miss her bump is so like, oh my God, it was fun pretending to be fat for a few months. <laughs> like, you're going to miss your bump. Why? Do people enjoy being pregnant? Freaks do. That Obviously, I'm rather looks banging smoking hot in that picture and that is the like that is the pregnancy picture that we would all love to have but like to compare her hot ass to fucking Winnie the Pooh I'm like imagine I was pregnant right now and literally feeling like a bloated like you know about to pop bitch and I see that picture and she's like I feel like Winnie the Pooh I'm so disgusting but I it was even, fun to pretend to be big for a few months I'm like oh, I don't oh, even God. mind the Winnie the Pooh thing I think that's like a cute analogy I whatever. guess <laughs> but the like other times I feel like a fertility goddess it's like oh I would love to be going through IVF and scrolling through Instagram and be like oh there's Emily and she's a fertility goddess because she got pregnant once like bitch Octomom is a fertility goddess (laughs) I actually do hate pregnancy content I feel like that's really bad but um I just can't stand it. I get it from the perspective of like when you're pregnant, I say you can feel quite alone in your pregnancy. So it's probably nice to share it online um, and like maybe connect with other people who are pregnant or you probably go down this like rabbit hole. It's like, you know, people who are like, you know, uh, doing a renovation on their house. All of a sudden you're finding out about like slabs of concrete and you're like, okay, I get it. This is all that's in your life right now. But like, I am nowhere near that right now. Like they're like, "Uh, what do you guys think about these door handles? Myself? Yeah. Copper bath? Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's like I understand that from the pregnancy content. So Lindsay, you didn't take a photo like this in the front of the bath. Um, I was on MySpace when I was first pregnant. Oh, wow. and I did uh, take a photo. what a picture like this. Not like that. Well, my attempt of that. Oh, I was twenty. Yeah. You know, 
I was I full, can't see this. but I, I don't know. I don't know if it still exists. I'd have to root through the yeah. interweb. But um, I mean, I think there's just variants. I think my issue with Emrata, and I knew it would happen, is the sexualizing of the pregnancy, which I just find a little bit off-putting. Now, obviously, pregnancy usually like usually comes from sex so we're aware of that but it's kind of like I don't know calling yourself a fertility goddess I just it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's like we get it you're pregnant you look great you're a supermodel that's your literal job (laughs) so fair fucks to you you're doing your job well you look good deadly you're known for having like the most banging body in the world yeah. and you still have it when you're seven months pregnant yeah like, well, like a load of fucking women do I looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked hot when I was pregnant too it's called being skinny and getting pregnant like I mean well done go skinny girls yay they're not celebrated enough as you said like when you're posting pregnancy content online it's usually to like connect with other pregnant women uh and when you have like millions of followers and I'm not even the type of person to be like think of the you know your audience but it's like Imagine being someone who has had like a rough as fuck pregnancy. Their body has changed beyond belief. They're like eight months pregnant. And then like they're Mm. maybe struggling with a bit of guilt of being like, I hate this. Because you hear of women struggling with that being like, pregnancy is fucking hard and like your body changes and your hormones and it's so on your own. Like you've said that before, like you Mm. are alone in it. Like you're, if you're with your partner, they're not pregnant. They're going around as usual and like it's a guts of a year it's a long ass time so just imagine like why would your choice of your message be like me I feel like I'm sexy with a juicy butt and I'm gonna miss my bump it's just like oh for god's sake like the last thing we need to do now is like making women who feel like uncomfortable in their pregnancy feel guilty because well, again, feckin some millionaire out there is like I'm gonna miss mine it's like, just oh. so superficial again like I mean I looked great when I was pregnant I didn't change a lot I didn't put on a lot of weight but I was so exhausted, so tired. Don't you need to pee all the time? Not really. Like there's all these kind of, there's shit that like gets, which is also annoying. Like I remember watching Friends and um, when Rachel was pregnant, she was like, I'm so horny. And same with Sex and City. Miranda was like, I need to fuck. I have a baby in me. I'm feeling huge. The last thing I want is a dick up there, like to be honest. And then, so you're sat with your fella while you're pregnant and you're watching all this shit on TV and he's like, you're not horny pregnant. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, because it's a fucking lie. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. So when you have, you know, so I think in terms of like talking about pregnancy, like with that Emrata post, she was just talking about feeling like Winnie the Pooh, but also sometimes feeling like fertility goddess. Whereas like, you can look great. That's all cool. But like, and I, like I said, I didn't change much or put on much weight but like I could have slept through my whole pregnancy like I longed to just sleep for the nine months and be like wake me up when I have to push this thing out of me you know and that's that's transparent and it's just boring superficial shit like she's just talking about her bod it's so redundant I'm so overhearing about women talking about their body we hear ya thank you next let's get into the love the relationship lessons even not the love lessons so ladies the first lesson who's going to take it jenny go ahead okay okay one taught me to value actions over words that's a really good one we haven't had that before it's something that Lindsay and i talk about a lot and i think especially in like romantic relationships you know we're always told to like you know, put our trust and like listen to them and what they say. And we do Q and A's every month and we hear a lot of girls being like, you know, like, oh, my boyfriend, like we're going out for four years and we're not really at the position now, but he says that like once he gets this job and then he's really going to dedicate himself to the relationship. And like, you can literally talk your way into believing that your relationship is functional, but like, what are they doing? You know, I remember when I was in college, 
me and my friend we would literally like avoid studying at all costs like we would be like we'd go into college and we'd be like on the bus on the way into, into college and be like yeah now I'm gonna go to the library and I'm gonna uh, study all of like this module and that one and then I'm gonna do start my essay and um, we'd be talking all the way into college all the way up to the college doors talking 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 so much about all the studying we're gonna do by the time we got to college we were like oh great we did it all should we go for a smoke <laughs> It gives you this like false sense of achievement. So if you, and this goes to you and your relationship too, like if you and your boyfriend are just sitting there talking about all the things that you're going to do, but not actually doing any of the groundwork in order to make that happen, you're just in limbo. I had a relationship where like we were talking and talking about how we're going to like move in and save for this. And it gives you this false sense of achievement. It makes you feel like, oh no, but we've been talking so much about it. It's like, well, have you set up a bank account where both of your money is going to be going in every month in order so that you can like buy a house? Mm. No, you haven't. Are you even in the financial position to do that? No, he's not. And is he trying to change that? No, he's not either. It's all about like, as soon as this happens, you know? So I think that like, it's a really easy mistake to make in any relationship, but specifically in a romantic one to only be listening to things because people can say, and people can figure that out as well. They can figure out that they can say all the right things and someone else will eat it up. And it takes the pressure off actually having to fucking do. Because that's usually the harder part is the doing. You know, that way the saying is easy. You can just rattle on out of your mouth as much as you want. (laughs) And it's also more romantic to sit around dreaming about what you guys are wanting to do in the future or kids or this or that. But actually the like reality is that these things are kind of more boring and the romanticness is taken out of that Mm. because you have to go to the bank and sort out that shit, you know? Yeah, it's like romantic to think about you like cuddling up in front of your fire in the house that you just bought. But like, you know, who's going to the mortgage broker? That's not sexy. Yeah, I had this with my ex actually. He would always be like, oh, we're going to say up we're gonna buy a house and blah 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 we had the account we had all that shit the mortgage broker i was like leading the whole thing even though he was the one that was like we need to get a house we need to do this blah 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 and then every time we would get down to that point of the sale where you would sign right he would back out and it would be like this house is too expensive this is this and they were these houses were not expensive like we live near london like these houses were like 380 that is not expensive for a house near london for fuck's sake so i was just like okay this guy and i remember at work and i was talking to this guy at work and he was just like he doesn't want to buy the house that's what it is and i was like no don't be stupid he wants to buy the house but it took me two years to actually figure that out and click in my head this guy is not going to do anything with you raj like he's just chatting shit but he was so good at talking and being like no, like we're going to do this together and we're going to do that together. And uh, and then he would be like, oh, but I want to buy a new car. And I was like, but why do you need a car? I've got a car. We're sharing the car. Like, don't you want a house? It just took so long for that to click. And that's just it. When one person in that relationship is like doing that talk and g- selling you those dreams and you're eating them up, it's really hard to be like, actually, what what is he actually doing? <laughs> You know, I I do believe in the saying that like people will show you who they are, you know, and people show you because like a lot of the time people like that don't even know who they are themselves and they they believe their own lie. You know, he probably did think that he wanted the house, but there was something in it that's like, oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's too far away. It's this, it's that. The walls aren't big enough. You know, it's like they you have to look at people's actions uh, specifically in relationship beware of a smooth talker you know like that a lot yeah. of the time that there are people who have figured out how to play a game you know and it's not always from like a really manipulative point sometimes as I said they can just believe their own bullshit you know yeah. they can just be like deluded so you have to be like have self-preservation in that way and it's a hard pill to swallow when you do realize it like I remember it with my ex and just being like this fucker like isn't even making any money like <laughs> 
How are you going to do anything? Like we met, you know, you have to look at it like objectively sometimes, you know. I was like, we met when neither of us were making money, but now I'm making like, you know, a substantial living. And we both had the exact same amount of time to do that. Fair enough, it takes some people longer to get where they are in life. And like, that's grand. But like, are you going to be along for that ride? You know, are you willing to sacrifice another 10 years with someone that they might end up, you know, pulling their fucking finger out of their ass? Or, you know is it time for you to move on? And I think that people just, they do show you who they are before they tell you a lot of the time. So you have to look at their actions above looking at like them being like, we're meant for each other and we're going to have this amazing life and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. It's like, yeah, but we don't. So I was in a situation where I had, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. I started to believe into that. Like I actually started being like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And like years rolled past and I was like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to in my head. Yeah, this is going to happen and the years actually got to a point where we were actually in a position where we could do stuff and move forward look at houses and stuff and that's around the time where I was like I think I also I got scared I actually was like oh shit like my ex mentioned like uh, looking at flats and like he was like oh we could buy a dog and I was like I was like it's too soon it's too soon I was like I'm shitting myself Uh, and then I actually got scared and um, no way crazy but yeah I mean it is you know you can talk you can talk yourself into things as well you know and it's like you always have to like with listening value someone's actions over the words like it's about like taking a step back sometimes you know and not overly romanticizing everything in your relationship and realizing like you know if this was a friend would I also be putting up with this shit it's by thinking what am I going to do Monday instead of thinking what am I going to do in three years I like want to live now I don't want to wait for two years and when I was you know dating around and stuff I'd be getting with people and I like have a certain pace that I want to go and I have certain goals that I want to reach and I just feel like there's all these kind of rules and stuff like that so like I'm I just would don't have time because I did that with my ex as well where he was like we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this and it never ever ever happened and I wasted goddamn time and I don't like Mm -hmm. wasting time so now I just won't like, I mean, it's a great lesson. Like, you know, you obviously thought that something was moving too quick. And like, you know, you thought yourself that like, oh God, it's like two years that I wasted. But it is because now I can tell that shit from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of beneficial in that way. But it's kind of like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, it's a mistake you make once. I won't make it again. Yeah, for sure. What does this mean, guys? Someone once told me that they love me and then they took it back in the same sentence. What does that mean? <laughs> took it back. Yeah, that means that person doesn't even know themselves. I mean, love is a weird one. You know, like I've been in a position before where I said it and the person was like, oh, God, it's too soon uh, 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 and freaking out. And I was like, OK, I respect that. It's too soon. That's cool. And then a few weeks later, they were like, actually I think I do and it was like this big kind of like it was a weird toxicity around something that should be lovely you know like it's a nice thing and I think people put this weird weight on something that is effervescent and is really just a man-made thing so like again 
you know, just like we were saying about the pregnancy where you can like soak up things from shows and stuff like that. We've grown up with 90s sitcoms and been like, I love you. But like, you know, we say that to our mates, like, love you, babes, love you, love you. It is just, it is a word and it is something that like is very much, um, you know, everyone has a different meaning of that word. You'll never know what anyone else feels like when they say that word and everyone has different like morals around that word. So I think it is ruined a little bit by pop culture and culture, you know, like if you want to say it, say it. But if I, I just think you have to be both in the same place and the mm-hmm. same kind of meaning with that, because like I'm in a situation now where I am saying that word and it's great and we're both saying it and use it and see it in the same way, you know. Raj, have you ever said it too soon? Well, I love you. Probably, yeah. But I feel like um, that happened in the last relationship, which was a really fucked up one. And he was basically a narcissist and he was love bombing me. So he said it really quickly. But I, you know, I've learned about all of these things in textbooks afterwards. And I was like, oh, he loves me. Okay. And at the time I didn't love him, but I was just like, that's... That's nice. But I am also one of those people that falls in love really quickly as well. Like I'm probably, I probably think I'm semi in love with the guy who matched me on Hinge the other day because. No, you're not. That's no, just how I am. Ain't. I'm like really, it is, I blame the nineties. I blame Bollywood. I blame all of that shit. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, this is the one guys. I've met him. He's mine. We're going to walk down the aisle. He doesn't respond to my messages, but we'll be married next year. Raj, I'm more the one for you than he is. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way closer that's the thing with like narcissists as well though because narcissists usually can find people like you who yeah. will fall in love really quickly and then they that love bombing thing is a real thing because then they think like you're like oh my god I finally found someone who will also say it as soon as I want to say it and then you know it's it's usually a manipulation tactic so it can be something to be wary of as well you know uh, depending I think it's like you both have to be in the same position but I mean, going back to your original thing, if a guy said it to me and then took it back with the <laughs> sentence, just like, just, you would have been better off saying nothing at all. Well, you maybe know that he way? just said it and kind of got scared. Like sometimes these things can slip out, especially say if someone got out of a long-term relationship where they said it like a lot and then they're in a new, and it's just kind of something that they're used to, you know? So, and I think it's the fear of scaring people away. So you guys are trying to make me feel better. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> I wouldn't be down with it personally. I'd be like, yeah, get yourself together. Think before you talk. (laughs) Yeah, I think I am more free with saying it now that I've had someone that I've actually said it to like every day. I would say it more now. Yeah. And I'm not scared of it as much. Yeah. And I was going to say, this is something that happens a lot at work, isn't it? Valuing actions over words. Because it's like those situations where you get into, you know, you catch ups with your boss and they're like, yeah, of course we'll give you that role. Of course we'll let you progress to, let's say you're an assistant producer and you want to be a producer. Of course we're going to get you to progress to being producer, but we just want you to do this for the next six months and the next six months goes by then you have another catch up and they're like, yeah, yeah, we just need to do, make you do that for six months. And you're like, okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a new way of stringing you along. Yeah. And it can happen yeah. in work as well with like, you know, I've done it before where you're like you're working in a team and someone's just really good at like leading the team and kind of really good at um, delegating, but like their job isn't to delegate. They're not your boss. So they're just really yeah. good at being like, okay, so you'll do that. You do that, do this. And I'll just write up the thing, the minutes of this meeting. And you, you think you're all on the same page. And then you look and you're like, hold on, you haven't fucking produced one piece of work here, but you're just really good at like talking around it and making mm. out that you're doing loads when like realistically, like on paper, I like you know the whole presentation was put together by me and Lindsay but like someone over there is just like yes no we're we're managing the team you know so it it can happen it's something to keep an eye out for sure like it's it's about being kind of led along um and you giving you a false sense of like 
achievement you know in things or a false sense of like that we're all in it together when like realistically like you might not be as on the same page if you took a step back and looked at it you know yeah I think it's like you have to hold people accountable for the things they say and we kind of especially in relationships we don't do that we're just kind of like yeah la 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 which is ridiculous so ladies what are you saying thank you next to people who speak and don't do Mm -hmm. smooth talkers with no follow-through you know Smooth walkers, slow walkers. Yeah, put your money where your mouth is, bitch. Thank you, next. Let's get on to the second lesson. So one taught me that friendship should add joy to your life. Tell us about this one, please. So we got a lot of questions from our listeners about friendships and their female friendships. And I think it was another reason why we started the podcast was to talk about friendships because there's so much talk about relationships, which we do a lot. And we talk about dating and boys and girls and everything. But, um... You know, friendships are also, they're kind of more intricate in the way of like, there aren't those pre-made rules that kind of exist because of like pop culture within like dating. So yeah, I mean, we have a lot of questions from our listeners who are struggling a lot with their female friendships or long-term friendships, old friendships, new friendships, bullying within friendships, you know, work friendships, all these different kind of complexities and people don't really seem to know how to maneuver them. But I think the basis of a friendship is that it adds joy and fun and happiness into your life and that if you focus on those things then everything else will kind of like figure itself out and you know when you're kind of trying to figure out are you being bullied are you being this are you being that are you being appreciated in a friendship but if you kind of just think about that as the kind of foundation I think it very much helps aid like how to maneuver different friendships. We get questions again of people being like, you know, I don't know, my fr- we think this girl is toxic in my group. And then you're like, well, have you confronted them about it? Have you let your like grievances be known? Like it depends on your communication. Like a, like a toxic friendship for me would be one that like you're not getting joy from. You're coming away feeling drained. You're feeling anxious about it, but you also feel like you can't confront them over anything. You know, the basis of all good relationships are communication, you know, and I think that like if, if that person is just like shutting you down when you try and confront them over something or like gaslighting you or making you feel like you can't that you don't have a worthy point like that's when you're kind of like you know how is that a friend you know like uh there's you, you can put it on both you can put it on friend and relationships in the sense where you're like would you put up with this behavior from a friend or would you put up with this behavior from if your friend came to you and told you a guy was treating her this way you're like you'd probably be like dump his ass you know you also have to have like a level of responsibility on your on your own actions too and that can be something that we get people writing into us being like you know like oh there's you know, someone in our friend group and, you know, we, none of us like her and we're all talking about how we don't like her. And it's like, okay, well, you're also just engaging in your own little toxic kind of thing there. And like, fair enough, she might be, you might feel that she's negative or that she's whatever your grievance is with them. But like, you know, you can't put yourself on a pedestal if you're not actually approaching them about it and trying to resolve it, you know, um, cause I think that that can be a mistake that people go to as well, because then you're not being a good friend as well, you know? When I was in year nine, guys, all year eight, this was actually really sad. I basically didn't really have any friends in primary school. But then I got to secondary school and somehow I was a little bit popular with these girls. And they kind of treated me like their god. It kind of got to my head because I'd never had any friends and I'd been bullied all the time. They would like follow me around. And like one time I had like detention and they waited like an hour for me to have detention for them to walk me from the bottom of the school to the school gates. Like who does that? Anyway, I think I was quite bitchy back then. I probably wasn't a very good friend. But one day they all stopped talking to me. Like, I don't even know what the trigger must have been. 
But like they all stopped answering my calls and ignored me at school and were like really mean to me. And it was so sad. And like no one actually, obviously we were kids back then. Do you not know why? No, no, I still don't know why. I don't know what the trigger was, but um, it was really sad to have, fr- obviously I was an idiot, but still it was really sad to have some friends and then have none the next day. I think something like that kind of happens along those lines to a lot of girls especially when they're in like secondary school and you're like a teenager and girls can kind of you know go down that kind of toxic kind of bullying route you know where male and female friendships are so fucking different and like mm. men tend to just like I don't know scrap now I'm glad I'm not scrapping with my friends personally mm. yeah. I'm glad it's not coming to fisty cuffs or they just slag and kind yeah. of take it and kind of work it out through yeah. like oh you fucking idiot blah, yeah blah. girls can yeah. be it, it can be it can go down a bit more of a like you were very social people you know like women are and we we love to communicate and sometimes it can go to that toxic thing where like you know one girl gets singled out and all the girls go against them and then it's like well don't tell them why and you know that's I mean not forgivable when you're a teenager but you know when you look back at in the teenage obviously that's horrible but you'd hope we're unpracticed yeah humans in you'd, that sense. you'd hope that they like you know have grown up and kind of maybe can reflect on that behavior and aren't like that but a lot of the time we hear from girls like you know well into their 20s kind of going through the same thing and it's like like you didn't have friends when you were in primary school so then obviously you like you know valued these friends <laughs> but you know like, I can understand why it was like must have been like oh my god it's not me you know I finally had these friends but like if that was happening in your 20s you know you can't just put like obviously having friends is great but like if your friends are fucking shit that's not great and if you're coming away if you're the only one you feel like you're coming away from a situation with your friends and you're feeling anxious about it or you feel like you can't be yourself around your friends or you like feel like everyone's talking about you when you're not there which always happens to some extent you know like women also have that unrealistic expectation of like don't talk about me when I'm not there and I'm like bitch if you're not here we're all talking about you okay like that's just the reality of it but it doesn't always have to be like a toxic way of talking and if you have those kind of feelings like it's like you also have to you know preserve yourself and like you can remove your you're better off having no friends in my opinion and finding new ones rather than having this like old group of friends that you've just known forever but that like makes you miserable Mm. I think that's easy you know when if you live in the same area I know like some of my old friends they you know people know where you live so they can just knock when they want it's harder to just get rid of someone like that if you're still in the same area and they know where your house is and they know your mom it's it's hard but it can be done it can yeah, you, you just got to configure boundaries and these things aren't easy to do like there's no kind of just like breakups like sometimes you know when you're like oh, I really need to break up with this person but like you're putting it off because you're trying to think of a way that you can do it with no kind of upset but mm. then you have to kind of accept that's impossible yeah because like um, what what's happening is an upsetting thing you know and it's I remember like I had a group of friends that I would have known from my first boyfriend in secondary school and a lot of it was like girlfriends of um like their boyfriends and all this kind of and they weren't toxic like I had loads of fun with them like they, there wasn't like a toxic element to our friendship but like when I broke up with my boyfriend it was kind of something that like I had to kind of reckon with that I'm like I'm like we tried to stay friends after it but it's just a messy kind of thing and sometimes in life you just have to acknowledge that like there there can be like a knock-on effect of some of one action which overall is better for you like I didn't want to be in that relationship anymore it wasn't good for me it wasn't good for him it was a terrible situation and unfortunately what comes with that is like yeah I probably lost a few friends along the way you know you have to kind of make the balance you can't go out just like you can't like stay with a boyfriend because you like his friends you can't like stay hanging around with your friends because like you know each other 10 years even if Mm. you're being treated like shit you know or you're Mm. or you're not happy definitely and I think the same applies to even when you're a teenager like I had to have this big breakup with these girls when I was a teenager I think it was like just before we were going off to college or sixth form or whatever 
and we all grew up together and stuff. Well, we didn't really grow up together. We became friends in high school, but it was like we were always at each other's houses and stuff. So I'd bump into like their mum at the temple or whatever. And the mum would come up to me and be like, why are you not talking to my daughter anymore? Little kids shouldn't be having fights like this. And, you know, and I'd just be like, ask your daughter, man. Why are you asking me? Like, I just think, yeah, just if if people are trained to learn this shit instead of watching like I watched Lawson's Creek at the moment right I'm re-watching it my sister is doing the same and she's obsessed with oh, it oh I love it and it's like but I watched that when I was 13 like when it came out and I was just like fuck like this is what I thought friendship was about and it's all about them being friends because they're from the creek and they stay friends from the creek and then they go to Boston and then they're still friends from the creek even if they're not necessarily the best of friends like Dawson and Joey should not fucking be friends but they're still friends <laughs> and you know you're just kind of like no if we just actually learn to cut your losses and remember the good shit and just like when you see each other out you'd be like hey how are you yeah cool 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 but then you got your new friends like it's not hard yeah. even in school I remember like I just used to flip between different groups because it was just like if I broke up with that group there was that group of girls that'd be like Raj come and sit with us today and I'd be like yeah cool I was kind of like that too in school I yeah. kind of like liked to dip in but not be like heavily involved with one group and get you know embroiled in the toxicity it's so funny watching like old shows like Dawson's Creek because they don't make shows in any way like that anymore and it's mad right. when you're re-watching stuff like last year I re-watched Gilmore Girls and then the other night I watched As Good As It Gets like yeah. two and a half hours long that movie but like never would they bring out a movie like that anymore it's like oh fuck yeah and I didn't even ever watch Dawson's Creek kind of sporadically when it was on TV when I was younger but I remember this quote that has stood by me like you know when something just like gets under your skin and you're like okay it was like Michelle Williams I can't remember her name in Dawson's Creek Jen, she was, yeah, yeah she was going out for a date and her granny was like she was like grandmama should I wear a necklace or not and her grandma was like don't don't put on a necklace. Leave your heart open. <laughs> Grams was a G though. Grams was such a funny character. I actually forgot that she had an African-American boyfriend at that time. And I was like, no one did this in TV shows at that time. It was actually, it was a bit ahead of its time, you know. They had a whole episode yeah. with that a black head, head teacher and he was kind of ousted from the school by all the rich white men. And it was like, they tried to protest and I was like, oh my God, I never saw this episode before. It's just weird watching it back. So I'm like, I don't remember this stuff, but. Oh, like, really? I think like before kind of woke culture, those things are so much more um, authentic than they are now. Like now it's like, we're going to be talking about racism, but it's so like <laughs> careful and um, manicured yeah. and not offending anyone. Mm. And it's just not really a realistic kind of. I think in the 90s, they were definitely better at it. I think it was like the early 2000s where it became like, they just didn't approach any of that. You know, like say like the OC was like, I mean, but then again, it's like the OC was based in like a millionaire's community in California. Yeah. So it's like, it probably was kind of realistic for them to live in this complete bubble of like rich white people, like talking about cars and mm. doing drugs on the weekend. It's like, yeah. what are you guys saying? Thank you next to you. I think we are saying thank you next to friendships that aren't adding value and happiness and all around good vibes to your life if it ain't positive you gotta go you know like you always get those friends that are like vampires they like literally drain your blood the color from your face and then you have to like go for a nap after you've met them everyone meets one of those in well sometimes lifetime. i think you can be like in the moment and when you're around them you're like they're so fun they're crazy oh my god they're such they're saying these crazy bitchy things it's so fun we're having a laugh but then when you get home i think post hangout is when you kind of understand and it's the same with relationships because you can be like in this whole thing 
thing with your boyfriend or whatever and go home and be like oh god I'm so happy to be on my own and not with him and I'm loving this <laughs> and then you're like okay I think the post-evaluation is almost more important than the like living in the situation yeah the come down yeah. you know mm. yeah that's important that's really important thank you next okay so we're on to lesson three so one taught me that we accept the love we think we deserve and yes that is a quote from the perks of being a wallflower but i think that it's so true and we've said yeah. it since the start of the podcast mm-hmm. you know again it goes back to a lot of you know it's it, these three things all kind of have a common theme of personal responsibility in your relationships too you know I think so often we can point the finger and you know in the first one that we talked about about how he was talking this and he was like but you weren't acknowledging you listened. you listened and you decided to eat it up without question with friendships you know it's like you also have to like reflect on your friendships and it is an, an ongoing thing that you have to be like if you are feeling all all the time bad or you know if you're feeling drained all the time you know maybe it's time for you to take yourself out of that and then you know with it we accept the love that we think we deserve is like a lot of the time you have to have that self-responsibility of like yeah someone might be treating you badly and like you know this is you know obviously just to you know (laughs) define we're not talking about any like abusive or manipulative behavior but like if it is just like the way that they are treating you if say if your boyfriend we get a lot of questions like this like a girl will write into us and be like, oh, you know, I'm going out. My boyfriend, he's amazing and we love each other and we have a great time together. But often on a Friday, he'll go out with his friends and he'll go missing for the whole weekend and I can't get through to him on the phone. And then he turns up, uh, you know, hungover on Sunday and just falls asleep. And it's like, okay, yes, that's shit behavior. And, you know. It's not right. It's not right. And it's, and it's. But you're accepting it, bitch. But every, if you're accepting it every single weekend and not calling him out on it and not being like. We're not changing. Yeah. You're anything. not coming over to my fucking flat hungover. Fuck off. Go be miserable in your own place. You know, that way it's like you also have to like set a standard for and how you want to be treated. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of time because people value relationships so much, they'll just be like, I'm just going to maintain and sustain this relationship regardless of how I'm enjoying it or not enjoying it. Like relationships are two people but like it's what you want and what they want and you have to also find someone who is like willing to compromise with you because like I was my last relationship it was like it was all on his terms and it was like his pace and what he wanted to do and when he wanted to and like that kind of thing and I was like I need someone who's a bit more malleable and a bit more willing to kind of like be a bit more chill and not as like uptight about certain things and if I had rested on that and been like accepted what he was giving me then I'd still be in it but I was like no not for me it's not serving me I'm not accepting that it doesn't mean that they're like this bastard or this toxic situation it was just like I'm just not accepting that and then I'll wait till you know what I want comes along how long did it take you to realize that I'm not gonna accept this um not long at all I mean I've been in pretty damn toxic relationships we've talked we've talked about them throughout like the podcast I've lived through them through the podcast and uh so now I can you know I can smell that shit a mile off so it's like definitely if that was a few years ago I would have stayed in it for probably six months to a year but it took me Mm -hmm. a couple months and I was like Boy, bye. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not always even toxic, you know, like say, for example, my ex-boyfriend, you know, I accepted behavior, which wasn't like bad or toxic or like, you know, made me feel like shit. But like, I kind of realized that like I was just existing within a relationship because we weren't fighting. And because, you know, we're so often told in relationships that they're bad if you're fighting. Like you should only break up if you're like screaming at each other and having these big blow up arguments. But like we weren't, we were chill, we were grand, but it was so stagnant and it wasn't like, it wasn't like adult enough for me and it wasn't, you know, you know, it was like we were still living very individual lives while being in this like long term 
apparently serious relationship I accepted that 100% so it's like it's not his fault that he thought that I was happy for so long in this relationship because I didn't give him any other reason to believe otherwise and you were accepting it yeah I was accepting it I was like this is fine but like as soon as I started to like reflect on it seriously over like a couple of month period and there was other things going into it that I was realizing like you know we weren't on the same page financially so like we couldn't realistically progress at the same pace you know and I just had to be like hey like I you know I can either just accept this and if I accept it that's on me you know because like I'm putting it out there that this is what I want in a relationship so I can't blame him for presuming that's what I want you know if you want a higher standard you have to kind of communicate that as well you know you have to be kind of like I want to go out on a date every week and if you don't want that fine but like I want that time to be dedicated to our, our relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is just it. I was just sort of saying to Hardy, like with this one, it's a bit of a tough one because at the time you think what you're getting is what you deserve because you're, you're kind of happy with that, right? And it's only later when you're like, oh, actually, oh, I deserved better there or blah, 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 blah. So I think it's like one of those situations where you have to kind of go through a series of relationships before you actually know what you deserve and what you want. Like now I have a list in my phone of my ideal situation relation whatever relationship not situationship and that is kind of what I always look at and that is probably going to be my benchmark I guess when the next guy comes along and I'll just be like okay is he this 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 is you know because otherwise you kind of you get carried away in that whole thing of being like oh but everyone's different and he's great at this because yeah. <laughs> I think like I was trying to push things or like work out things and like accept things for years whether it was with dating and definitely it was like I think being single really helped me because I was like, okay, if I'm happier single than with this dude and I can survive being single and I can maintain like, you know, work and a livelihood and like a future, then I'm not going to take this bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's what scares me. That point when you forget that being on your own is actually better than accepting breadcrumbs or like just shit or not, not even just not what you want. Like that, that point where you become so like reliant on, the other person and you you actually just put up with shit I fucking hate that and that scares me doing that and you have to be like constantly I think which I am I'm constantly in relationships like self-aware kind of evaluating them making sure I'm you know down with this and stuff like that and I think that's important I instead of kind of because sometimes you can just like slip into this um kind of just you can get used to stuff and not you know evaluate it and see is like because it is like your life do you want this to be your life and that's kind of like you just have to be aware of what you're accepting and also be aware of what is out there you know because sometimes if you're so used to say like kind of a certain treatment or if it's a bit better than like you know a past relationship or something you can be like okay I'm down with that but like there's totally like anything is possible you know there is always a part of me that thinks are you actually worthy of what you want Oh, are you worthy of being loved? I don't know. That's it. That's all I had to say, really. That, I always doubt that. You you should really only be in relationships when you feel like you're worthy of them, you know, because I think that's like a spell of like getting in a toxic relationship because you're like what you're willing to accept. The bar could be so low just because you're like, oh, I just want a boyfriend. And or if that's I, all you know. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, it's all I know because I've only had shit situations. So therefore, like I only deserve a shit situation or, you know, your self-worth can be low and you feel that like getting in a relationship will validate your worth in somehow and like that should never be a reason to getting into a relationship you know it should never be the sole reason for going out with someone should be that like you need validation romantic validation you know um and if that is something that you're looking at like 
if that's something that you feel I think it's you know you need to kind of second guess that and notice are you getting value in your life from other ways like from your friendships or from your work or from your family and if they're lacking is there any way that you can improve them because like one relationship is just like meeting a friend isn't gonna like validate your existence neither is meeting so a romantic partner mm-hmm. you know it's not going to completely like if anything like it's the same as a friendship it should add to your life if your life is good it will like add to it and it will fit in easy and it'll like you know it like make you feel maybe more fulfilled in some respect but like you should already have a baseline level of like self-worth and validation from yourself um because no one's going to be able to like you know fill fill up your whole glass with them because then there's nothing left for them to have on themselves so like that's codependency you know if you are in a relationship with someone and the two of you like need to to be around each other 24 7 because otherwise it's like you know we might lose each other or you know it's like this kind of codependent kind of thing of like if I don't have them with me then I'm not worth anything or then like you know something bad could happen it's like you have to be able to exist even in a relationship at the end of the day you're by yourself you're still a single human being you're still responsible for yourself and you're still in your own head and in your own thoughts so you can't rely on someone to make you feel good all of the time because they're not always going to be there to make you feel good there's going to be times where they might feel like shit as well in a relationship you know it has to be a a two-way thing so I have a weird problem because I always go into everything thinking I'm fucking I'm the I'm the hot one I'm this I'm that like did you know what I mean I think that probably causes problems for me somehow but I don't know how (laughs) well if you don't know her then it's probably not a problem I think you're yeah it probably isn't I'm always like I'm better than him of course I am like no I don't I don't think you have that energy are you joking, Hardeep? I like. I fully accept. Like, if Thingy doesn't fancy me, I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. Like, he's not going to find someone as hot as me. See you later. I think yeah, that's yeah. a good. I think that's self preservation because I yeah. think also Lindsay and I always talk about like, especially with dating. Like, you know, we say you're always trying to with dating. You're just trying to leave with your dignity, and I think you have yeah. to be in such. We also get a lot of girls writing into us who are not able for like the tinder and bumble and they're not able for the rejection and that's fine because dating's hard you You know to have like an armor of confidence on you and you because like a lot of girls who are out there with dating and stuff and they're like I'm caught my confidence is being knocked with every time I get ghosted and it's like well don't you are not able yeah you either buckle up bitch or you don't fucking date so yeah it's way harder than it was before and you're like if your your confidence shouldn't rely in some fuck boy that you swiped Mm -hmm. on tinder Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that like for you like raj like i think that's like you know having just a bit of confidence of steel like because if you don't have that what's your other option you're I'm gonna, being your own lover yeah you're gonna take on every guy who just like doesn't text you back and and put that on your self-worth that's way more devastating to your confidence than you being like yeah. fuck that he's not gonna get a hotter bitch than me that's good because it makes you forget about it yeah. and you know yeah, you're being true. like kind of tongue-in-cheek too but like you know you have to kind you of like, be your own best friend and yeah, your own lover for sure you have yeah. to you have to be able to have your own back as self-love well. baby girl <laughs> so what are you saying thank you next to thank you next to shit love we don't want shit love there we go only shit memes shit posting shit posting and shit memes (laughs) shit posting yeah absolutely we'll take that (laughs) shit relationships nah (laughs) 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 but thanks so much for having us on it was great fun to chat to you guys yeah thank you guys yeah you too thanks thank you so much (laughs) and ladies and girlies and darlings and honeys thank you next I know that the girls Wanted to say thank you next to Emrata, who is an Emily. I actually wanted to say thank you next to another Emily. Who's Emily in Paris? Hey. Oh my days. How 
the fuck did Emily in Paris get nominated for two fucking Golden Globes and our girl Michaela Cole didn't get one nomination? Michaela Cole is above these awards. She is God. I don't want to have that conversation because that's like, that's what we say when like, you know, Hinge Boy doesn't message me back. She's not on that level. She deserved the nomination. Michaela Cole created the best program of the last five years, I said to you. And the fact that she didn't get a nomination and a show as basic and non entity-ish not no meaning no nothing no message not even entertaining it actually wasn't even an entertaining show okay the reason why so many people watched that show was a because people knew its lead so they would watch it for the leading actress fine they would watch it for darren star and patricia field and the sex and the city relation there yeah fine and also it hit us at a time of lockdown where no one else had anything else to do and that's why the figures were so fucking high it was not a great show i would never watch it again ever in my life there is no watching again factor there i don't know anyone who's watched it who would watch it again willingly i've watched i may destroy you twice I've watched I May Destroy You twice as well. And actually, I know I will go back and watch that again. But also the thing with I May Destroy You is actually you don't even need to watch it twice because it stays with you because it's so fucking layered. There's so much shit going on in that show. I love the way it represented London because I felt like that was the London I kind of related to and I don't really see that London on TV. I see Made in Chelsea on TV, which, yeah, I go to Chelsea sometimes, but it ain't my life. All those scenarios that those characters were in, you actually could be in that could be you that could be me that could be all of us at some stage and they covered consent in every way it gave us one of the most iconic period sex scenes on celluloid oh, that was so good ever because that is not people don't do that no one is brave enough to do that shit for that scene alone you know regardless of the fact she actually wrote this based on her own experiences and all of that stuff she is so fucking strong you know like from having an experience like that and then turning it into art. But that is literally who she is. So I'm just kind of like, how could you not? How dare you? How could you not give her a fucking nomination? And it, it was so embarrassing. And what's the most embarrassing thing about it is that there's a writer on Emily in Paris who has actually written a fucking article saying, I'm shocked that we got nominations and I'm shocked that she didn't because she deserved it. Oh, I hope someone does an explanation. They probably won't, but someone should do an explanation of why. Yeah, I would actually love to know who is on this voting committee. How do I get on this voting committee? What's going on? I watch shitloads of TV. Call me. You need me. You don't know what you're doing, Golden Globes. Yeah, and I don't care. Like, I know they've nominated Rami. I know they've nominated Riz Ahmed. I know they've nominated... But like, no one can deny that that was the best show of last year. That was the best show of last year. That It's one of the best shows that I can ever... That I can name. I can't name anything better than I May Destroy You, if I'm honest. From a perspective of someone who's voting for like the best shows of the year, are you fucking stupid? Like, seriously? Yes. And also, a Golden Globe nomination for Best Comedy Actress. Was Emily in Paris funny? Bruv, like, was Emily... No, it wasn't funny. I watched one episode of Emily in Paris and it was shit. But what I would hope is, I hope that she doesn't care. I would hope Michaela doesn't care. I'm sure she doesn't. I hope I hope she doesn't care because it's no... And she, I think she would know it's absolutely no reflection on her work because her work... She's getting nominated for everything else. As someone who watches TV a lot and is heavily invested in this shit and like, you know, I just think, wow, who the fuck are these experts? I'm saying that inverted commas, who are voting for this shit. It shows you it's just a waste of time. And the other thing is, it's just highlighting to me, which is really, really sad, really sad, is that you can make basic shit and get accolades for it, but you make something excellent, fucking excellent, and it's based on black people and it won't get a fucking nomination. 
What is that about? You know, everyone always says, oh, like when you're of color, you have to work 20,000 times harder. I'm just like, she probably, she fucking made something based on a traumatic experience based in her own life. And like this is, she's created the one of the fucking best shows ever out of it. And mm. you're actually ignoring that. Wow, 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 wow. It is just showing that people of color have to work harder, isn't it? That's literally, that's, it shows you just like that. Because you know, like basic bitch, Emily in Paris is the embodiment of basic bitch. Mm-hmm. So I was saying to people that I don't want to talk about Emily in Paris in a negative way because it's just like someone else's work, blah, blah, blah. Actually, no, I'm going to because the own writer was like, you know what? Like, we didn't deserve this. When your own writer says that you don't deserve it, there you go. That's There's a problem. So like, thank you next to the Golden Globe Voting Committee. You all need to get your heads... This is heads, a sarcastic clap. You need to get your heads checked or get some fucking diversity on your fucking voting panel. It's not correct. It's not correct. I would like to see the voting panel and I would also like to see uh, the reasons. I want an explanation. Somebody explain this shit to me. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. That's it. Just make it make sense because it's just not making sense. And Somebody need to tell me. And you know what? You know, by doing shit like this, it deters a lot of people because they think, fuck, man, like Michaela didn't get recognition for that. Like, I'm not going to get recognition. But I'm gonna, I saw the sickest meme, yeah, made out of this. And it was like, if you ever have imposter syndrome, just remember that Emily in Paris got nominated for two Golden Globes. And that's what I want to leave you guys on. Just remember that that basic show got nominated for two Golden Globes. So fucking just keep doing your thing. That's it. I'm very upset. My rant is over. Right, I'm taking over from Raj now because she's a little bit upset. Make sure you share this episode with someone who loves to chat and someone who is an it girls lover. Someone who likes Irish people, maybe. Because I love listening to Scottish accents. Oh, their accents. Their accents were amazing, innit? Someone who likes accents, at the very least. Just share it with someone who likes that. Who wishes they had a... A partner with a different accent or something. Or friends, you know? Someone in their life. Anyway. Why are you, it sounds like you're suggesting people masturbate to this episode. You could do if you want to. I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. And dear listener, please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss another episode. Our next episode is the Twilight special. What is that? Well, it's about Twilight. It's about the relationship lessons we're going to find in Twilight. And remember, subscribing is so damn easy. All you got to do is hit a button on Acast, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm really excited for the Twilight special, ain't gonna lie, because I love taking the piss out of that film. And also there's a lot of red flags in there. We'll be back next week with more shit that we want to say thank you next to. Remember to get in contact. Let us know what you are saying thank you next to. Please, we want to hear from you, man. Email us or leave us a voice note because we would actually love to hear your voice. Hear what you sound like, you know, real life and all that 3D. Uh, Email us at hithankyounextpodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on socials. We are at thankyounextpod on Insta, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want some bonus content, video content, see our beautiful faces, memes and other shit, that's where you want to be. We're going to um, head off now and start fucking watching Twilight and shit. Oh, yeah. Okay, bye. Love you. Thank you for listening. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay safe and remember to say fuck you to imposter syndrome. Stay vigilant. Stay aware. <laughs> All right, bye, babes. <laughs> Thanks, but... Uh...